platform. Welcome, Christian Israel. Today is January 21st, 2024, and we're going to be continuing our series on the uh, uh, two, uh, two items, actually, the, uh, the differences between the Masoretic text and the Septuagint, but also last week uh, we ended uh, talking about the Nephilim, and so we're going to start the, with that today, and I have to copy the link. Uh, it's hard to find the internet link for this but I, I found the website so i'm just going to put it in the chat room real quick so you can maybe search for the article that we'll be reading from here at cerebral faith okay so how are you doing today michael yeah i'm doing good here in sweden the this cold part is, that has left now is not so damn so cold it was before it was like very cold it was uh, it was not many fahrenheit i am not so good at the fahrenheit compared to the celsius yeah. but it was like what you had uh, last last weekend i think because then you had pretty cold yeah it was zero degrees <laughs> now it's gone all the way up to 12 degrees fahrenheit okay which is still well below zero centigrade or celsius i don't know if they still use centigrade or not but uh yeah it's a it's a cold cold world we live in and uh i i'm sure that the uh harp the harpsters are busy that yeah you know, uh, well they they warned us about global warming didn't they <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's not so warm. It's it's cold. No, no. Well, they they predicted that uh, the Arctic would all melt. All that Arctic ice would melt, but it's actually getting thicker. Okay, and the same thing with Antarctica. So the, the this global warming rot that comes from Juno who is uh, you know it's so obviously false that uh, unless you have your eyes slammed shut. You'll never be able to figure these things out, okay? But uh, the main thing is you have to understand who the real enemy is. So uh, I'm going to go to your, uh, well, the article you sent, and uh, which is, oops. Okay, I'll have to reopen it. Okay, well, I, why don't you just uh, take it from where we left off last week while I'm actually looking for the, for the link, Okay. Yeah. Um, so this was the article about the, the Nephilim descendants of Cain, and Neanderthal, ancient kings, or Anglo-Juman hybrids. And I think yeah, like last time we talk, talk, spoke about, and, and the best guess, they are Angel-Juman hybrids. Right. Those Nephilims. Amen. Um, and in the article I, I send the PDF to you, it's on page seven. You will find page it in seven? the PDF. In the PDF. Okay. Okay, I found it, and uh, uh, please continue. Yes, so Michael Heiser points out that the Hebrew word for God 
God is Elohim. And Heitzer shows a variety of different usage of Elohim, which show that it did not always refer to Yahweh, the God of Israel. It was used to refer to Yahweh, the God of Israel, reckoned thousands of times, a.g. Genesis uh, 2 verses 4 to 5, Deuteronomy 4 verses 35, and no bracket. The members of Yahweh's council, bracket, Psalms 82, 1 verses 6. No, uh, chapter 82 verses 1 and 6. Um, gods and goddesses or other nations, Judges 11 verses 24, 1 Kings 11 verses 33, and no bracket. Uh, demons, Hebrew, Shedim, Deuteronomy 32, verses 17. The descendants of Samuel, 1 Samuel 28, verses 13. Angels, or the angel of Yahweh, Genesis 35, verse 7. Uh, the Hebrew term, quote, Elohim, and unquote, seems to be synonymous with our English word, quote, spirit, and no quote. The spirit is just an immaterial unembodied bracket or disembodied and a bracket mind mm -hmm. god is a spirit but there is also evil spirits bracket demons and a bracket oh you know about them they're all yeah. here so heaven yeah. is empty they are up here they are here yeah and those those demons spirits they like to inhabit jewish bodies yeah, yeah, that's that's, uh, and also our the old actresses, so actors we have, they're also infested with those demons. <laughs> that's right. What what do they they give they give something to those demons to get all this fame and all this money? And when yeah. the bills comes for them, I don't think they're so happy anymore. Right, right. Uh, well, I think that what they give those demons is adrenochrome. Okay. Certainly, the people mm -hmm. in Hollywood and and, uh, and those rabbis in in New York City, where the tunnels were discovered under the, underneath the street, uh, mainstream media is still covering that up, folks. Mainstream media is still covering it up, but fortunately, we have alternative media that it keeps on digging into that situation. We will find out whether or not uh, those rabbis were sacrificing human children in those tunnels. Okay, we will find out, and as soon as we do, we will report it. Okay, back to you. And I was listening to something regarding to these tunnels. I was listening to an interview with uh, Stu Peters, that Jewish-looking guy with uh, right. um, with uh, Brother Nathaniel. And Brother Nathaniel want to um, he wants to shove over this, just belittle it, and say, "No, this is nothing important. Those tunnels, uh, they are not yeah. so important." Yeah, yeah, nothing to see here. <laughs> exactly, that's right. what he is saying. Right, right. Yeah, and, but Stu Peters defended, uh, you know, the, the the coverage that alternative media is doing. Uh, hey, this is for real, okay? Yeah. So uh, it, it just showed Brother Nathaniel's true colors, and Brother Nathaniel also stated, no, no, we Jews, you know, he pretends to be a, a an anti-Jew, okay? But uh, when it comes to defending the Jews as God's chosen people, uh, Brother Natalia, uh, he asserts the positive that oh, the Jews still, despite everything, are God's chosen people. Okay, so yeah, you yeah. should know where he is and who he is and what he is. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's a Jewish disinformation yeah. <laughs> masonist. There, there you go, disinformation uh, masonite. <laughs> All right, Ma For masonry. Sure. Yeah, there you go. For sure, he is. Yes. Okay. All right. Please continue. So. Good spirits, 
bracket angels and the bracket and many of us would say that deceased humans in the intermediate state are quote spirits and quote however although there are many quote spirits and quote <laughs> there is only one omnipotent omnipresent omnipresent uncreated morally perfect spirit bracket i god and the bracket oh, uh, he, forgot he, about the, he forgot about the rothschilds <laughs> Yeah, the baron of barons of the of the Edomites. Yeah, they are the barons. They have cameras everywhere, <laughs> except in Jewish tunnels. Oh yeah, exactly. Except yeah. in Jewish tunnels, there they don't have it for sure. Right. For sure. Yep. Uh, and let's continue. So the Hebrew word Elohim seems to have been used in exactly the same way. Yahweh is an Elohim, and there are many other Elohim, Amen. but there is only one omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, uncreated, more than perfect Elohim, bracket, i.e. Yahweh, and the bracket. Yes. And certainly Yahweh, angels, demons, and even diseased humans would fall under the modern Western definition of, quote, spirit, and no quote. Mm-hmm. They fall under the ancient Hebrew definition, bracket, Elohim, and no quote. There is only one ultimate supreme Elohim. There is only one maximally great spirit. That is Yahweh, bracket, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bracket, and the bracket. All others are lesser Elohim, gods, or spirits. Amen. About that. Now, here, there are, uh, unfortunately, uh, Pastor Sheldon Emery, uh, fell into uh, the denial of uh, these, these spirits, the denial of Satan. He didn't believe in a literal Satan, and I think he's dead wrong about that. Okay, and so uh, the 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 passages that we're going to be reading today argue the opposite. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that these evil spirits exist. They were in fact the Ben Elohim that uh, left their first estate. You know, if uh, I don't know if anybody's actually done a word study of evil spirits in scripture and uh, etc. to to prove how often evil spirits are referenced in the Bible. And if there's evil spirits, don't they have a leader? Well, of course, of course. And that is, and that is then if we call it Lucifer or Satan, that's because uh, there seems to be some differences in it. But it's still, yeah. it's I guess the spirit of Satan. Amen. It doesn't matter what you call him. <laughs> he exists, right? In he fact, does. A, uh, I forget, I think it was Malcolm Muggeridge who said, the greatest deception the devil has ever stated is he doesn't exist. Yeah, and that is the biggest deception he has done because now we have a lot of people that think they're so intelligent, but they don't yeah. th- believe that Satan exists. They don't believe yeah. that the Rothschild are satanic that rules this Amen. world. And they can't understand Amen. why the world is so evil. Right. No, it's just because a few Jews have gone astray. That's all. <laughs> Easy to explain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they, they cannot fathom it. They cannot get <laughs> wrap their mind around it. They don't right. want to see it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what, what about Pizzagate, you know, which preceded? You know, why are all these Pizzagate people, including the rabbis in New York City, always doing their stuff in hidden places like underground pizza parlors and tunnels that they illegally build in New York City. Uh, you know, who, they who want to this? hide it. 
Because yeah, they want course. to hide it. It is evil. It is the most evil thing you can find. Adrenochrome and child pornography, child, whatever you want to find there. That's the only thing they are, that's what yeah. they're up to. Yeah. Nothing and good come out of it. Right. And they're getting very, very bold in these end times because they falsely believe that they own the entire world. They certainly own mass media, but fortunately for us, they don't own the Internet, and there are many alternative media sources on the Internet which are telling the truth about these uh, swine in human form. Yes, amen to that. They are, and we are, we are all a part of that, so we need to keep spreading it because that, will, right. that is tr- throwing some grains within ice inside of their machinery. So they, uh, they yeah. cost them a lot of their love and their beloved money. So they cost them a lot of money that we yeah. are doing this. Money buys loyalty and assassins. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Ask the Rothschild. They are expert at it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So in Psalms 82, we find that these Elohim, these gods, are called, quote, sons of the Most High, end quote, which is obviously interchangeable with, quote, sons of God, end quote. After all, who is the Most High? God is. So those who are sons of God are sons of the Most High. In conclusion, then, in Deuteronomy 32, verses 8, Job 1, verses 6, Job 2, verses 1, Job 38, verses 7, and Psalms 82, the phrase, quote, sons of God, and no quote, refers to divine beings. This makes the interpretation of Genesis 6, verses 1 to 4, referring to divine beings, plausible. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's all over. It's all over the Bible that uh, the Elohim, if you start in uh, actually Genesis chapter 1, the Elohim are the ones who were working for Yahweh in, in creating the various species of planet Earth, okay? And uh, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, I believe it's verse 4, where it says, uh, the, the sons of God shouted with joy in the heavens, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? That mean, now, these are the good divine beings, right? Th- these are not the ones who later fell in Genesis chapter 6. But we see in Genesis uh, chapter 3 that one of, these, one of these beings was already here on the earth, and he's the one who seduced Eve, okay? So just because the, uh, the fall isn't mentioned in Genesis 3 yet doesn't mean it couldn't have happened before Genesis chapter 6. Okay, back to you. Thank you. So, okay. evidence 2. Second Peter's uh, uh, two and judge inter- interpret the sin of Genesis six as being the sin of the watchers in the book of Enoch. Yeah, that's Jude, book of Jude. Okay. Yeah, Jude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Second uh, Peter's two verses four to ten says, "Quote: For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, racket, uh, tar- Tartarus, tar- and the- Tartarus." Yeah, nice place. <laughs> we, we, a lot of people go there for vacation. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels like this place we are right now is yeah. hell. That's right. But hell is frozen over, as uh, as Brother Aber has announced in the chat yeah. room. Hell is freezing over as we oh. speak. Okay. Yeah, 
but I guess the the to saying hell is the devoid is the devoid of God's word, and that makes it hell. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Um, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Yeah, exactly. Going to happen to the ungodly. Right. Bad things are going to happen to the ungodly. It's bad enough that bad things happen to the godly, right? But they're going to get their just desserts. Yeah, yeah they will. And uh, I mean, when when Yahweh starts turn up the heat on the ungodly, I mean, if you are close to them, you will feel the heat. You maybe not succumb to it, but you will feel the heat. Heat. Right. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So I'm looking at Second Peter two four and Shartaru is the Greek word for hell here. The deepest abyss of Hades to incarcerate in eternal torment, cast down to hell. But this is precisely the area of the universe that Pastor Emery doesn't believe in, (laughs) okay? So maybe he overlooked the definition of Tartarus. All right, back to you. Thank you. So, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteousness under punishment. He better (laughs) Otherwise, we're in deep deep doo-doo, right? Until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, end of quote. Oh, isn't the world just like that? And I think when they say despise authority, that is not your godly governments. It is the authority no. of Yahweh God. Amen. Amen. All right. And that's true of Romans 13, which the Judeo-Christians, and because uh, you know, we've been harping on the fact that the KJV and the vast majority of other translations into English and probably uh, uh, Swedish and German and Danish, etc., are all infected with the same Masoretic nonsense, okay, thereby uh, preaching false doctrine in the name of Yahweh and Yahshua. That's what they're doing, folks. Masoretic text is evil, and most of our Hebrew translations come, you know, the Old Testament translations come from the Masoretic text, okay? There are a few others that preceded the KJV that weren't infected by the Masoretes, but the vast majority of translations are infected by the Masoretes. Yeah, please continue. Yes, so thank you. So, Jude 6 to 7, quote, And angels who did not keep their own dominion, but Mm -hmm. abandoned their proper abode, Mm -hmm. he has kept in internal chains and the gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in gross immorality and pursued strange flesh. Oh! As a- strange flesh? What could that mean? <laughs> right. Race mixing? 
Uh, that's very plausible. Very yeah, true, I think. That's yes. exactly what it means, because even Yahshua in the book of Revelation refers back to the episode of Phineas, right? That, that, that great Israelite who took a javelin and punctured it through an Israelite man and a non-Israelite woman. Hmm. Exactly, because of okay. race mixing. There you go. That was not because because he was evil or what people can say or say it was spiritual yes right. what the church should probably say right well and to botch their bodies well even paul says in romans chapter one and two that referencing both race mixing and homosexuality he says that these people are worthy of death can it be any clearer yep. <laughs> okay, all right. No, no, it can't. <laughs> okay. And certainly in English, it can't be any clearer. I'll bet it's very clear in Swedish too, but I can't I can't vouch for that. You know, maybe you can when we take a break, maybe you can dig into that. But let's continue. Yes. So, um serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal life, Ooh. eternal fire. There you go. No yeah. quote. Um, right. In verses four of Jude's epistle, Jude depicts quote wandering star and no quote as horny bad guys who deny God. Okay, <laughs> right. This same description is in First Enoch sixty-seven verses ten in the um, pseudo the epigraphical book of Enoch bracket. First Enoch, to be precise, and a bracket. First Enoch speaks of angels who, quote, debauch their bodies, and quote, and quote, deny the Lord, and quote. Now, isn't that what Satanists do? Debauching their bodies? Yeah, 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 always. And they are and denying uh, Yahweh all the time. All the time. And, uh, and aren't the uh, Masoretic rabbis paramount in doing both of these things? No, yeah. They are. Okay. Uh, the re- recurring motif of sexual immorality and rejection of authority, uh, bracket, verse V18, bracket, yeah. are characteristic of the, quote, angels who did not keep their own dominion, but abandoned their proper abode, and the bracket. Uh, and the quote, and bracket, verse 6, and bracket, but who are these angels? What is their, quote, proper abode? And no quote. Hell, and, <laughs> that is their proper abode. But they're not quite, some of them are there, but not all of them. Yeah. And what crime did they commit? Race mixing. There you go. Richard uh, Backham explains that, quote, huge reference is directly dependent on the first Enoch 6, um, to 19, which is the earliest extent account of the fall of the Watchers, and shows himself closely familiar with those chapters, and no quote. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Godawa gives a helpful chart in his book, quote, when giants were upon the earth, and no quote, to show that not only does Judge 6 explicitly quote uh, First Enoch, but many Themes found in First of Enoch can be found in Jude. Below is the chart from the Brian Godava book. And so here is a chart that, comp- that does, the, I guess, the comparison. So, okay. um, 
let's lead from I will read Jude and then I will read the corresponding one in First of Enoch. So Jude one unto two to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, my mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Right. And in First Enoch one verses eight. And to all the righteous he will grant peace, he will preserve the elect, and kindness shall be upon them. They shall all belong to God, and they shall prosper and be blessed, and the light of God shall uh, shine unto them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm looking at the word chains in Jude one six. It's uh, G1199, and it comes from... Uh, desmos, desmos, which is very similar to demon. <laughs> you, you drop the S and you got demon. And uh, but it is it is literally chains or, or figuratively chains because you can't uh, chain demons with a literal chain. They have to have a, a spiritual chain shackling them into the underworld. Okay, darkness. What is darkness? Zophos. Okay, gloom. <laughs> As shrouding like a cloud, blackness, darkness, mist. In the Old Testament, it's referred to as shades. Okay, shades, and and that's what these demons are. They're shades. Uh, they're just they're sp- spirit bodies who lust for uh, incorporation or incarnation into warm, cozy human bodies. Right? Okay. And unto judgment of the great day, folks. That's where they'll be until the judgment day. Okay, not all of them are walking around in shoe leather. Some of them are, but most of them, the, the evil, the most evil ones are still chained and under darkness. Boy, that must be a gloomy place, Michael. It sounds very gloomy, and they probably rejects uh, uh, regrets. Why did they uh, yeah. go into conflict with Yahweh? <laughs> yes. But well, that's uh, too late. Yeah, no, it's, it's too late. But uh, the book of Enoch uh, is very clear that uh, Samael, who is the most evil one, the the, root, the leader of the pack, uh, you know, he goes by different names in different books. Okay, so uh, he said, okay, uh, if you join me, you will have fun, fun, fun <laughs> for a very long time. But chances are you will be subject to punishment. Okay, and he explained how how much fun they're going to have until they are punished, and said, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me." And uh, I think it was up to twenty-two of his followers, you know, uh, accompanied him. And the Book of Revelation talks about one third of the angels fell with him. Okay, so are we talking about human angels or spiritual angels that fell with Lucifer? Okay. Sounds like spiritual ones. There you go. A pack of Satans. There you go. The leader of the pack, right? And they like to dress up in leather and ride motorcycles to fool everybody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, they will never repent. They can't. Uh, they knew when they fell that they wouldn't be able to repent, that they faced destruction when the judgment day comes. And, you know, and this is why the Jews are so hectic these days, so intent on uh, forcing their will upon the rest of the world, despite the fact that things aren't going too well. Israel is collapsing as we speak, yet they have no choice because 
they have to forestall their judgment. They have to. They have no choice. You know, if you're if you're walking to the gallows blindfolded and your hands tied behind your back, aren't you going to struggle? <laughs> right? Especially if you're Probably. a Jew. Yeah. Well, yes, Probably, Satan's yeah. adversary. Now who's the adversary of our world? Of the white world. Yeah, it is the yeah. Jews, of course. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it, it, it means both. It's, it's a spiritual adversary and a physical adversary. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's both. But, yeah. but then when I think about it, most of the time, it's, yeah, it is the Jews because they are promoting everything. But sometimes it is our own brothers that are maybe the bigger obstacle oh, than the yeah. Uh, uh, there could be more, more into, uh, yeah, arguing and all, all this kind of stuff. So m- my experience sometimes is that our own brothers is, yeah, okay. uh, is right. our what do you say? Our own, his own house has to be cleansed first. Oh, for sure. Well, wouldn't you say that the Judeo-Christian churches are our adversary right now? Yeah, they are. They are yeah, absolutely. All right. Please continue. So, and then is um, Jude number uh, four. Certain people who long ago were destined for this condemnation, and in First Enoch uh, one hundred eight uh, verse seven, things sealed in heaven about to be befall sinners. Uh, and then we have in um, Jude four for certain people designating. Uh, for this condemnation, ungodly people. Mm-hmm. And first of Enoch, uh, chapter 1, verses 9, to destroy all the ungodly, the works of the ungodliness, uh, which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly students have spoken against him. And yeah. we have Jude 4. Uh, who perverted the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ? And in First of Enoch, uh, chapter sixty-seven, verses ten, chapter forty-eight, verses ten, chapter thirty-eight, verses two, they believe in the debauchery of their bodies and mm-hmm. deny the spirit of the Lord. Yeah, well, what what did uh, who is the the Jew that runs the uh, Church of Satan in California? Oh, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, I don't remember his name, but it looks yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he's on record saying, uh, "I do whatever I please." You know, I break every law and and do everything that uh, is forbidden. Okay, well, that, that's Judaism, <laughs> right? Okay, that is Judaism, folks. Back to you. Um, Jude 6. And angels who did not keep their own dominion, but abandoned their proper abode. First of Enoch, uh, chapter 12, verses 4, and chapter 15, verses 3. The watchers who have abandoned the high heaven, the holy eternal place. And Jude, chapter 6 again, went after strange flesh. Um, Okay. And then we have uh, first of Enoch oh, twelve. Somebody, uh, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, can you hear me? Hello. Are Are we having trouble? No. No. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I forget who put it up in the chat room that uh, the the Hebrew word for alien foreigner is nokri, and he says in uh, in Irish. 
that word still exists uh, describing foreigners. It's a, a, a version of Nokri, Nakar, I think it's called. Nakar, uh, uh, let me, I have to go in the chat room and, and find it. But yeah, again, a lot of these uh, Hebrew terms still exist in our dialogue, in our, you know, in our slang, in, in our regular language as well. Okay, so back to you. Thank you. So this is from first of Enoch, uh, chapter 12, verses 4, and chapter 15, verse 3. And defy themselves with women. Mm. Yeah. Would number. Yeah, uh, Jewish whores. <laughs> right? Okay. Female whores. Sometimes there's a male whore involved as well. So let me see. Uh, yeah, what's the Irish term? Okay. Yeah, here it is. Uh, knocker. N-A-C-K-E-R is a word uh, for foreigner alien used by the Irish. It's usually applied to gypsies and travelers, okay? And the, uh, the Hebrew word is nokri. And so the, we have the remnant of that word nokri in Irish, knocker, N-A-C-K-E-R. Back to you. Thank you. So, okay. Jude number six again. He has kept in internal bonds on the darkness for the judgment of the great day. First of Enoch, uh, chapter 10, verses 12. Bind, bracket, the watchers, and the bracket, for 70 generations underneath the rocks of the ground until the day of their judgment. Uh, 6-2 uh, Peter's uh, 2, verses 4. Cast them into Tartarus. Okay, here we go. Tartarus, that's the underworld. Yeah, and then in First of Enoch, chapter 63, verses 10, being cast into the oppressive Sheol. Sheol, yeah, hell. Now, uh, Sheldon Emery is uh, famous for saying it just means the grave. No, it means more than the grave. <laughs> it means the underworld as well, okay? So uh, Sheldon Emery didn't do his research well enough. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Do you want to read on with it? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, real quickly, I, I was uh, searching, you know, uh, where did you leave off? I and, left uh, off at, oh, where did the article go now? <laughs> uh, it is uh, figure one, Jude and First Enoch's literary parallel. So after oh, this this yeah. uh, com comparison, this, this uh, change, it's on page right. nine in the PDF. Okay, very good. Jude versus First Enoch comparison. And uh, Anton LaVey is that Jew. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that post in the chat room. Uh, Anton LaVey, he just added an A between the V and the Y. <laughs> Levy, Jew, you know, Levy, very common Jewish surname. Okay. Anton LaVey. All right, well, let's continue. All right, Jude, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So first Enoch, verse 8, and to all the righteous he will grant peace. He will preserve the elect, and kindness shall be upon them. They shall all belong to God, and they shall prosper and be blessed, and the light of God shall shine upon them. Okay? First Enoch, and uh, then verse 4 from Jude. Certain people who long ago were designated for this condemnation, and this is Enoch 108, verse 7, 
things sealed in heaven about to befall sinners. Jude 4, for certain people designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, and Enoch, 1 Enoch 1, 9, to destroy all the ungodly, the works of ungodliness which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Lots of ungodliness going on there. Okay. And Jude verse 4, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And many passages here from First Enoch 67, 10, 48, 10, 38, 2. They believe in the debauchery of their bodies and deny the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 6 from Jude. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. It is about the watchers in First Enoch 12, 4, 15, 3. The watchers who have abandoned the high heaven, the holy eternal place. So, Michael, does it seem to you that uh, Jude is referencing First Enoch? Yeah, in, they seem to be very in in uh, they are in line with each other. Yes, they are. Yeah, but don't the Judeo Christians say, "Oh, poo poo on on the apocrypha, poo poo on Enoch, poo poo on uh, all of the apocrypha"? That uh, we're not th- those aren't scripture, but yet they are referenced in scripture. Okay. Yeah, they do. They do, yeah. and I guess that is because the Jews has told them to co- because that co- that is shedding light on Jewish activity. Also, that's right. No, you cannot shed light on Lucifer. <laughs> he is the light of darkness. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So verse six. And, oh, I think I read. Well, let me read it again because it's important. And angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, the watchers who have abandoned the high heaven. The holy eternal place, all right? Verse 6, went after strange flesh and defiled themselves with women, with foreign women, okay? He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. 12, uh, sorry, 1012 of First Enoch. Bind the watchers for 70 generations. Ooh, there's that number 70, Seventy generations underneath the rocks of the ground until the day of their judgment. Okay, very interestingly, I have to point this out because this year, 2024, is the 70th Jubilee from the date that the Israelites entered Canaan land and started uh, slaughtering most of those Canaanites. But unfortunately, they didn't slaughter all of them like Yahweh told them to. And uh, 30, Numbers 3355 says, if you do not slaughter all of these Canaanites, Men, women, children, and even their animals, they will come back to haunt you, and they will be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side. Okay? Mm-hmm. And has and death come through. Totally. Totally. Now, when was the last time you heard a Judeo-Christian minister quote Numbers 3355? Oh, never. Never. Never, ever. Okay. Is somebody paying them off to keep silent? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is. No doubt. So, okay. No doubt. 70 generations, 70 jubilees, the uh, Feast of Atonement this fall will be exactly 70 jubilees from the day that the Israelites entered Canaan land. And boy, judgment is coming, folks. (laughs) Judgment is coming. All right, let's continue. Uh, Peter, oh, okay, also Jude 6 and 2 Peter 2.4. 
cast them into Tartarus, which we found out means Hades. Bring, and uh, this is uh, Enoch 63.10, being cast into the oppressive Sheol. Okay? And also including verses 100, uh, uh, verse 11 and 80, verse 2. So, folks, the correspondence between Jude and First Enoch is really tremendous. Oh, let's continue with this document. Oh, that's figure one, Jude and First Enoch's literary parallels. Second Peter also shows an obvious dependence on the book of Enoch, as they use many of the same phrases. Both Second Peter and Jude speak of sinning angels in the days of Noah, who didn't keep their proper domain, but sinned and were consequently bound in chains. Now, I could understand the skepticism of both atheists, agnostics, and uh, people who follow Sheldon Emery. They don't want to believe that there's a literal Satan and a literal hell. But the Bible clearly teaches Tartarus is not a term that can be applied to this world. Uh, Tartaria accepted, <laughs> right? All this recent news about Tartaria, that is a physical place. Apparently where giants also existed, okay? It's pretty evident that giants existed in that in that country. With, uh, the uh, existence of that country has been covered up tremendously. Let's continue. Now, why is showing the influence of First Enoch on Peter and Jude important in making the case for the quasi-divine view of the Nephilim? Because if Jude and Peter both understood the sin of the angels as the sin described in First Enoch, then we have overwhelming evidence that the sin these apostles were talking about were angels producing offspring with human women, women, white women. This is because this is the interpretation of Genesis 6, 1 through 4, that First Enoch takes, which I will read, and we can, uh, you, you have a comment here at this point? I mean, you know, how can you get this wrong? Gen uh, every Even Judeo-Christians admit that what happened in Genesis 6 was the Ben Elohim, the sons of God, somehow incorporating illegally, you know, that is not through the womb, but some uh, in some other manner, and producing giant offspring when they raped Adamic women. Yeah, and and one one comment you also can if to do you dear Christians, I don't believe that the Enoch or the Jude should be included. But well, they're praised uh -huh. using the word of Yahweh in the book, and they are in correspondence with other scriptures. Um, so it's very hard right. to say that they don't belong there because they are referring they are referring to Yahweh yeah. and and they're referring to other texts. And same, you can see also that he said here that both Peter um, and, and Peter and first of all, and then it was because both Jude and Peter they both understand this sin, so they are in in they are in in total connection with each other. Right. Yeah. And uh, Revelation chapter 12 uh, c confirms to us that uh, Satan, the devil, uh, you know, all those terms we have for the Satan and the devil are real. And they're not just Jews in the, in the flesh. OK, or, or just uh, ordinary people. <laughs> right. And uh, the book of Revelation confirms all these things as well, that we're struggling against what? And what did Paul say? We are struggling against high places, spiritual places, not just physical places, 
Folks, the Bible confirms the reality of Satan, the devil, and all of these uh, satanic places and the underworld. Totally confirms it. All right. So let's continue. Now, okay, so this is because this is the interpretation of Genesis 6, 1 through 4 that Enoch takes. At first, Enoch 7, we read, quote, It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that daughters were born to them. Well, isn't this the exact language of Genesis chapter 6? Mm-hmm. Okay. It, is. it says it's the exact same thing. Elegant and beautiful, which means white women. <laughs> and when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored of them, saying to each other, Come, let us select for ourselves wives or women from the progeny of Adam, and let us beget children. Okay, well, their offspring, the, the Jews, the Canaanites, the Edomites, the Kenites, are still doing that today, are they not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. They are. Yeah, and uh, if you don't understand Genesis 3.15, that this is to be taken literally, <laughs> like a literal fallen angel seduced Eve and begot the race we know today as Jews, okay? Then their leader, Samyaza, said to them, I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise, and that I alone shall suffer for so grievous a crime. But they answered him and said, We all swear and bind ourselves by mutual execrations that we will not change our intention, but execute our projected undertaking. Then they swore all together and all bound themselves by mutual execrations. Now, this was before they fell. Okay. This mm-hmm. was before they fell, okay? Then they swore all together and bound themselves by mutual, mutual execrations. Uh, you know, what, what are the Kol Nidra? <laughs> Their whole number was 200 who descended upon Ardis, which is the top of Mount Hermon. That mountain, therefore, was called Hermon because they had sworn upon it and bound themselves by mutual execrations. These are the names of their chiefs, Samyaza, who was their leader, uh, Urak Baramiel, Akibiel, Tamiel, Ramuel, Daniel, Ezekiel, Sarakniel, Azael, Armors, Batrael. Uh, I'll turn it back over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Anane, Zavabe, Samzaviel, Etriel, Turel, Yamiel, Araziel. These were the prefects of the 200 angels, and the remainder were all with them. So there were more than just these 200. Then they t- took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach, and with whom they cohabited, teaching them sorcery, incantations, Kabbalah, and the dividing of roots and trees. Ooh. Uh, Monsanto (laughs) and the women conceiving brought forth giants that's the Ben Elohim who uh, whose stature was each well Ben Elohim is sons of God Nephilim is the giants and of uh, with all which they these devoured all which the labor of men produced as the Jews still devour everything we do and turn it into nothingness or hell until it became impossible to feed them. 
when they turned themselves against men in order to devour them and began to injure birds, beasts, reptiles, and fishes to eat their flesh one after another and to drink their blood. Then the earth reproved the unrighteous, okay? Well, the, the tradition of these giants is all over the planet, all over the planet. And the conquistadors and the Catholic priests that followed them thought they were instructing the Amerindians on the flood. And then the Amerindians said, oh, we know all about the flood and we know all about the giants. Okay. But if you have new information, tell us more. <laughs> right? So so these Catholic priests were astounded that the Amerindians knew about the giants. Why? Because the giants were there in South America, Central America, North America, and every single tribe, Amerindian tribe in the New World had had their, had their troubles with giants and had to d- destroy them, for otherwise they would be destroyed. Okay? So every tradition of every, uh, every tribe on the planet knows about these giants, and they, the, the flood was not as great in their area. The, the deluge was global, but the flood was local. Okay? That's what I tell people, uh, that's, and that's the reality. All right, Jude 14 to 15 says, quote, It was also about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, Yahweh came with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all and to convict everyone of all the deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is yet another citation of First Enoch which says in 1 Enoch 1.9, quote, Behold, he comes with 10,000 saints to execute judgment upon all, and he will destroy all the ungodly and convict all flesh of all the deeds of their ungodliness that they have ungodly committed and uh, ungodly, ungodly, ungodly. Right? Okay? That's what it is. The, the parallels between Enoch and Jude and Second Peter are incredible, folks. Absolutely incredible. Okay, we're almost at break time, so let me just finish this up, and then we'll take a break. So let's continue. Dr. Taylor Marshall says in his article, quote, Angels having relations with humans within Jude and Second Peter and First Enoch, unquote, that it is not only this direct quotation of First Enoch by Jude, but Jude and Second Peter allude to the fantastical events of First Enoch, namely the sexual encounters of fallen angels with human women, that is, Adamic women, which gives birth to the Nephilim or giants. The birth of the giants, according to First Enoch, is the reason for Noah's flood. Do you think this guy, Dr. Taylor Marshall, is correct about that, Michael? Yes, that sounds very plausible because that yeah. was that was also also a reference for the days now. He said because it will, it will be as a day on Noah, and right. look now to the today now how much how much uh, how common race mixing here how those faggots yes. how common they are and the pedophilia everything is how common that is. Right. All that has risen again. It's the same th- sin again. It, it's it back shall, again. It shall be as in the days of Noah. Yeah, and that right? is how it is. And people are still getting to married and all those stuff and having right. their redstone <laughs> circus and they don't really care right. about anything yeah. really. Because right. wasn't that what the Romans said? Give them bread yeah. and circus and they will not rebel. Yeah, even the institution of marriage has been, uh, turned into a circus. 
Yeah, that's a circus. Yeah, for that's sure. That's a circus, right? How many, how many men and women? I'm talking about white women. Even white Christian men and women take their vows seriously. Not so many. Not so many, right? And one for the money. Uh, sorry, yeah. the, our women has been turned very wrong. But they have uh, yeah. lost a lot. Our women, unfortunately. Yeah, and divorce comes so easy to women because number one, the courts favor them when it comes to, you know, uh, dishing out the uh, divvying up the goods, right? At, at, after divorce, and so and they can see, oh, gee, I, I'm actually pretty happy with this guy, but. There's a guy across the street who's 10 times richer than my husband. He may or may not be more handsome than the husband I have now, but hey, let's go for it. Yeah, I, I can claim that he raped me or make some re Ex ridiculous claim, right? And the yeah, yeah, exactly. In, yeah, and the court will rule in favor of the women virtually every time. All right? And uh, the same thing is true in the workplace. If a woman accuses a male employee of uh, approaching her, doesn't even have to rape her, but, you know, maybe slapping her on the butt and, and maybe even just complimenting her on her looks. Oh, that's gender discrimination. <laughs> that's just as bad as rape, isn't it? It's verbal rape. Okay. It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they turned it this way. So they, they, and the women use it just for, sorry, they're, they're, because how they are made. They are, that was what feminist was all about. Yeah. It's anti male. It didn't free them. To the core. Anti male to the core. Yeah. And, it is. And, it is. Yeah. Get what you can, get what you can while the getting's good. That's feminism, folks. That's what it is. It's totally materialistic and it's communistic, too. Every feminist is an anti-male uh, ag agitator and a communist. That's what a feminist is, folks. All right? So let's continue. Marshall goes on to say that his belief is also found in the Book of Wisdom, which says, And from the beginning also when the proud giants perished. Now, this is only in the Septuagint, okay? Uh, when the proud giants perished, the hope of the world fleeing to a vessel which was governed by the, thy hand, O Yahweh, left to the world seed of a generation, Wisdom 14.6. Marshall comments, quote, the author of Wisdom clearly associates the flood to a divine genocide of the race of the giants, which took actually quite a lot of generations because the, the giants were still in Canaan land. And that's why Yahweh decreed that we must destroy all of them because they possessed the seed of the fallen angels and Cain. Okay. That's why he instructed us to destroy them all, to leave the world a, quote, a seed of a generation. St. Paul quotes from wisdom about seven times. So St. Paul also likely held this belief. Of course he did. On what basis should we deny the event in Genesis 6, 1 through 4 was what often what I often like to jokingly call angelic hanky-panky? You may not believe First Enoch is inspired, but if you're a Christian, you certainly believe, or at least should believe, that Peter's and Jude's epistles are divinely inspired. If Peter and Jude put their stamp of approval on the angelic hybrid interpretation of the Nephilim, that means, quote, the Holy Spirit who inspired them put their stamp of approval on it as well. And that therefore means that the angelic hybrid view is a correct reading of Genesis 6. 
which we two seed liners have no problem with. It's only the non-seed liners who don't want to admit that such a thing as angel-human hybrid can take place. That one Enoch takes the angelic hybrid view of the pre-flood giants is indisputable. That the New Testament epistles of Second Peter and Jude re- reference that angelic sin in First Enoch means the angelic hybrid view carries the authority of holy writ, that is, the Bible. Even the Masoretic text. Right? Even the Masoretic text, because that's what it says in the Masoretic text. All right. Okay, folks. It's time for a break, and we'll pick it up right after this break. And let's see, what song should we pick here? Okay, I just loaded this one up. All right, uh, the tears were made for burning. Here we go. You keep saying you're God's chosen people. Someone's coming to put you in your place. You've been messing with the people's money, yeah. You rob us with a smile on your face. These lips are made for talking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days the Lord is gonna walk all over you. You've been getting by on all your good spot. Assassinations, bribes, wars, and more. The Goy are busy waking from their slumber, yeah. Babylon will surely be no more. These lips are made for shouting, and that's just what they'll do. From the rooftops we will see your judgment coming true. You keep playing where you shouldn't be playing. And you keep thinking that you'll never get burned. The day will come when you have met the rider, yeah, of the white horse with his flaming sword. These tears are made for burning, that's what he's coming for. One of these days, he said, your kind will surely be no more. Ready, Tez? Start burning. Are you ready, Word? Start hurting. No more tricks for you. No more laughing by you. It's all over for you. It's all over for you. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And this is, oh, hold on, I keep forgetting that I have to stop it. It doesn't stop by itself. There we go. All right. 
So, yeah, the, the tares were made for burning, folks. The tares were made for burning. And, boy, I want to see it. I want to see the tares burn like a candle, like a Roman candle, right? So, folks, the day is coming. We're almost there. Have patience. We're almost to have patience and stay godly, as we've been talking about. But first, before we get back to this wonderful article, just want to point out Money Tree Publishing is the sponsor of this show on Speak Free Radio. We're all simulcasting on Eurofolk Radio. And they have uh, wonderful books, and I'm hoping to add uh, a couple of books to this uh, selection here. Henry Ford, the International Jew, The War Against Whites. Jews are the problem. Okay. Uh, the Great Impersonation, my book, yours truly. Exposing the Lies of History. The Secret Masonic Victory of World War II and of virtually all other wars. Communism by the Back Door by Dennis Wise. The Greatest Story Never Told, Hellstorm. Great stuff, folks. Absolutely great. Exploding the Middle East Myths. And uh, also, Dave Kahari, he has another website in which he publishes mainly books about the assault on the, uh, liberty. And that's not at Money Tree Publishing. Jewish Supremacism is another title here. But if you want to learn about the assault on the liberty, you, you can just send him an email. Just go to the website, and you can contact him by email. So thank you for all you do, Dave Gehari. And so we're going to get back to this uh, article here on the Nephilim and where they come from, <laughs> right? So uh, given given what we have just discussed up to this point, is it conceivable that there is a spiritual world in which uh, angelic beings exist? Okay, yeah. Like Satan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. For me, there's always, there is, I believe, because our our visible light that we can perceive with our eyes, we only see a very narrow of that, of that wide band, of this band. But there's a big right. spectrum. So, but yeah. we can't see everything. So how do we, we maybe have, of course, we have angels around us now, right now. We have spiritual beings around us. And, and then mm -hmm. certain, certain, I believe, what happens in our life is also due to angels. Can maybe That's prevent right. you from, from ending up in a ditch when you're driving on an <laughs> ice road. Right. Right. It exactly. could be if you, so you don't step on, so you don't fall when you're out and walking. It could yeah. be many different ways why, why angels are protecting you. And sometimes when you're not even realizing what angels, but it is. Yeah. Well, Paul says that be, be careful how you treat strangers because one of them might be an angel here to help you. <laughs> right. So, so don't be uncourteous to strangers. Right? Be courteous until you find out that stranger is a Jew, right? Then, then you can blast them. But, folks, yeah, I mean, the Bible, how about the, uh, the, the demons that Yahshua cast out of uh, the, uh, the what, what do they call them? Uh, anyway, the, the, the person who was possessed by demons had multiple demons inside of him. And then Yahshua had to cast those demons out into a herd of swine. Now, isn't it interesting that swine are less tolerant of demons than we are, right? We get addicted. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, when I'm thinking about this, when, when you, as you also said, demons, they are here today also. And then you can find in, in certain people that are demon, you can say demon-possessed. And that's, that's right. we can take example, the, all the different actors and the singers, uh -huh. they, oh, yeah. they, and they say it themselves that when this comes in me, I cannot do what this guy's doing. 
when it comes into me. Many of the of of those yeah. actors say it because they have they have this those demonic entities has entered into them because yeah. they have given their approval for them to enter them, for them getting getting famous, right. getting money, and then yeah. when the bills come, they're not so happy. I sold my soul for rock and roll. Okay. Oh yes, that's what they did. <laughs> right. Or hip hop or pop or oh, whatever yeah. you want to call it. It's even worse, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that is worse. Yes, yeah. Okay. Uh let me take a couple more paragraphs and I'll turn it back over to you. Some tried to deny that Peter and Jude got their info from Enoch, though their explanations are highly implausible. For example, Some say that Peter and Jude were using a common source with Enoch. However, there is no evidence for such a common source. Moreover, if one is to be logically consistent, one would have to say that when Matthew 2, 5 through 6 says, They told him in Bethlehem, Judah, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew isn't necessarily quoting from the book of Micah. He could be quoting from a common source that both he and Micah drew upon. Such logic would render it impossible to say that the gospel authors are referring to the Old Testament to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Or when Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. He isn't necessarily quoting Psalm 22, 1. Maybe he's using a common source with the psalmist. Okay, so isn't that kind of a, a false argument when you say, well, there must have been some other source other than the Old Testament? Yeah, and that is like those that doesn't believe. That's more a Jewish or atheist would say, oh, but that's something else. No, there was something else. That was something common in the time. They will... That's my feeling when I hear this kind of argument. I think about right. atheists or yeah, Jews, of course. They all, always deny it. Yeah, they always deny it. And so do the non-seedliners. They deny the existence of Satan too, right? No, that that could not possibly have happened in Genesis 3.1 that Eve was actually seduced by a fallen angel. That's not possible. Well, why did we fall? <laughs> why did we fall so hard? And why was Eve's womb cursed? And right. why does women have pain in childbirth? Right. And it's only the white women that have the most pain. Yeah, I Answer agree. that. The most pain, for sure. Yeah, right. That's the curse, right? Why, why, wasn't the, why didn't Yahweh put a face mask <laughs> on Adam and Eve for blurting out an untruth? Why didn't he force them to wear a dunce cap? You know, but besides that, when... Uh, when Yahweh says to them, what have you done? D-O-N-E. That, that word means an action, not a thought. So you, we have Ted Wyland who denies that anything sexual took place, and it was just an evil thought. But if you do the word study on the word done, it cannot possibly mean a thought. It's an action, folks. It's an action. So the anti-seed liners have a lot of explaining to do. They haven't properly done the word studies, and only those of us in two-seed line have properly done the word studies. And plus, plus it says there's three verses that clearly state that, you know, they get, they get Genesis 1, 2, and 3 all wrong. They, they forget that the Adamic race was created in Genesis chapter 1, and they were being fruitful and multiplying all over the place and establishing dominion. It says that in Genesis chapter 1, 
So how can you possibly believe that in Genesis chapter 3, there were only three people on the face of the earth, namely Adam, Eve, and Nakash? Or, yeah, but that's... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that, that's that is that is um logical to a logical. If you hear that when you're young, wow, this is, this is stupid. There's only three people. No, it's not. Yeah. They're because there were races here before we were created. We were the we were the youngest youngest creation. Right. Exactly. And only we were given dominion. Only Adamic. Yeah, those who show blood in the face. We're the only ones who were given dominion. It doesn't charge the other races with that either. Okay. So so then uh, so. Question, where did Cain get his wife from when he was ejected from the garden? Now, the racists. That's right. The people who were created in Genesis chapter 1. That's where he got his wife from. It's obvious. Yeah, and where he built the city. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't build a city. Yeah, yeah. You don't build a city for three people. <laughs> right? No way. Okay, you know, that, that's called a campground, right? Yeah. Or a, maybe a homestead at best, but not a city. All right, folks, only two seed line makes sense, period. Okay, so let me continue here. Uh, right, okay. Another tactic to try to deny First Enoch's influence can be found in places such as the Douglas Moos, M-O-O, that's his real name, folks, Douglas Moo, Douglas Moo's commentary on Jude. Moo wrote, quote, to be sure, Jude claims that Enoch prophesied. But this word need not mean wrote an inspired prophetic book. Well, if you, well, the Bible says very clearly, the test of a prophet is whether or not his prophecies come true. Okay? Have Jude's prophecies and Enoch's prophecies come true? Yep, they have. They sure have, folks. Yeah. All right. This means that the prophecy in Enoch was from Yahweh. All right. It could well mean simply uttered in this instance a prophecy. Well, still, the test of the prophecy is whether or not it comes true. The problem, though, is that once again, you could apply the same logic whenever the New Testament authors quote the prophets. I'm pretty sure Mu would not want to say, to be sure, Matthew says Isaiah prophesied, but this word need not mean wrote an inspired prophetic book. It could well mean simply uttered in this instance a prophecy. Well, how many prophecies have, have been uttered in the Old Testament regarding Messiah? Oh, there hundreds. I cannot know hundreds of them, I guess. And yeah. then there was in, in, in Isaiah, we have the most one. And that we see on our previous studies that there is where the Jews want to change the text That's to make right. them null and void. They'll say, yeah. So, yeah. No, no it can't be a virgin. Can't yeah. be a virgin. Has to be a young woman. But unfortunately, the uh, Masoretic text is wrong about that because it's Jewish. Masoretic text is Jewish, folks. Don't you believe for a second that the King James Version was inspired by Yahweh? It was inspired by the Jewish Masoretic text. That's why it has so many errors, literally thousands of errors in it, folks. All right. So let me continue here. Also of note is the name of the realm that Peter says God sent the sinning angels to, Tartarus. Many English translations render 2 Peter 2.4's word as hell, but that word is most often translated from the Greek words like Gehenna or Hades, not Tartaru. The Greek word Tartaru does not appear anywhere else in the entire New Testament, but it appears there, as I previously quoted, 
where did Peter get this word, and why does he not use the familiar Hades or even the Hebrew Sheol? David Lyon Bartlett of Yale Divinity School, Columbia Seminary, explains that the Columbia, that's a communist school if there ever was one. This term was used in Greek mythology to describe the lowest part of the underworld where the titans, that is the giants, or shades is the word used in the Old Testament. Shade, what's a shade? Is a shade a walking physical being or is it a spirit being? Spirit being. There you go. There is a spiritual world. And when you deny that Satan exists in that spiritual world, are you not uh, denying that the spiritual world itself has any influence in this world? Oh, for sure. You do. Yeah. Because yeah. that is that, that if I can't see it, I, it yeah. can't be true. If you yeah, can't right. count, if I can't, you know, this all this logical, think they're logical, yeah. that they have to right. see it, you have to make math of it, you have to right. at some yeah. sensitive to all your sense. But, yeah. So I say that the non-seedliners who follow Sheldon Emery are uh, kind of brushing with materialism, aren't they? They're, they're they denying the, the, the influence of the spiritual world on our world. Yeah, okay. Sheldon Emery did, did a lot of good stuff, but he misses oh, yeah. with uh, with yeah. this with um, Satan that he didn't believe in this spiritual world. That's yeah, um, right, yeah. a miss of him. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to pin him down. Or do you believe in the spiritual world, or don't you? He never addressed that question. Okay, and there's a good reason why he never addressed it because that would f- uh, blow his uh, no Satan theory all to hell. All right, let's continue to hell, literally. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being metaphorical there. Literally, hell, okay? Columbia said this term was used in the Greek, and it's, it's Tartarus, or Tartarou in the, in the Greek. Briger A. Pearson study confirms that this is certainly the correct background for this passage because the reference to the angels being bound and chained in gloomy darkness occurs in conceptual and linguistic parallel in Hesiod's description of the Titan's imprisonment. And that's, okay, so there's a chart here. Uh, Anyway, the chart, uh, Greek myth, Theogony, 713 to 35, Enoch 10, 4 through 14, 2 Peter 2, 4, and Jude 6. So if we understand the fact that Greek the Greek language is consistent about these things, but that English can be mistranslated and therefore cause confusion, then we understand why there are certain people, even in Christian identity, who don't get it and want to deny it. In Antiquities 3.1, the Jewish historian Josephus writes, quote, For the tradition is that these men did what the acts of, of those whom the Greeks call Giants. Okay, that's, and he's not Jewish. He's a Judahite historian. Okay, evidence three. I'll turn it back to you. Thank you. So, evidence three the Nephilim were not uh, psychological, normal, or physiological. Physiological. Well, well, that's true, too. (laughs) They weren't psychologically normal either, (laughs) nor are Jews, right? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Okay. So, Quote, if, quote, the sons of God, end of quote, and, quote, the daughter of men, end of quote, were both ordinary homo sapiens, then their offspring ought to also be ordinary homo sapiens. 
more different looking than any other human you might meet on an average day. Yet, whenever the Bible mentions the Nephilim, it mentions them having unusual uh, physiological features. One of those features being very tall, another feature is having extra digits. For example, when Moses sent spies into the promised land to scout, uh, sp uh, sp the spies came back with the reports, quote, and, and there we saw the Nephilim, bracket, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim, and the bracket, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed <laughs> right. to, to them, end of quote. Okay, so... Uh, who who created these giants? Did Yahweh create these giants, or was it the fallen ones who created these giants? The fallen one created the giants in the same way as as Naha created uh, the Jewish race. Right, Cain by sexual sexual seduction. In the same way. So, as I like to say, if it can happen in Genesis chapter six, which virtually all, even believers in the King James version, uh. There's only a few naysayers about that. They all believe that these angels fell. They left their first estate, left the heavenly realm, and uh, embodied. Now, nobody can explain how they embodied, but the fact is they did, <laughs> right? And the whole Bible confirms that they did. And since it happened in Genesis 6, why can't it happen in Genesis chapter 3? Exactly. Okay? okay? All right. Because that, I guess, is the only way that... That is how Satan, how Jesus, how Satan created. He created by, by, by reproduction. He didn't create it by himself. That is why they always so right. into this yeah. worshiping sexual and being very, yeah, I don't know, about, yeah. um, about uh, investigating the sexualities. Right, right. Because that's where they stem from. Right. Now, Eve said in Genesis 4, I think, verse 7, when she's still having this discussion with Nachash, you know, I mean, is that discussion metaphorical? Did that discussion play, take place? Or is the idea that Nachash picked an apple, <laughs> that Eve p picked an apple off the tree and wasn't, was actually having a literal discussion with a snake? Which metaphor is more believable to you, Michael? She having an actual conversation. That's right. An actual and the apple is, yeah. yeah, and the apple is not found in the Bible, so that is also make believe. That is yeah. something that I guess that um, that came when the I, I listened to a show that said that when the Crusaders went down to Jerusalem, those want to do the crusading, they got this teaching from Jewish rabbis. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but you know, I suppose if, if Yahweh wants, he can make an animal talk which he made the donkey talk, right? <laughs> that, that's Jewish theology, donkey talk, right? And uh, I forget, there, was, there was one another literal uh, animal that spoke. I forget where that occurred in the Bible. But it doesn't say that Yahweh made a literal snake talk. Because if you look at all the definitions of the word nachash, uh, it means enchanter, deceiver. Uh, to shine like brass, etc. So 
But these are literal definitions of the word nachash, yet the non-seedlers only want to have one definition of the word nachash, which means literal snake. Okay, so that's not what we believe. We don't believe a literal snake talked, a deceiver, uh, an enchanter, a, uh, what's what's the word, Uh, a seducer talked. Okay, now, is it conceivable that, (laughs) <laughs> that Eve was seduced by a literal snake. Uh, no, I can't really. That's I can't really. Yeah. Uh, that's I cannot conceive that really. That that she was seduced by a snake. It, no. When you say someone is a snake, that's when you see some people. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because people can be snakes. They are like wormy. You can't get them really. They are sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Squirmy. Right. Yeah. Squirmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a, a greased pig. You try to grab onto it, and it slithers out of your grip, right? Yeah, well, we have you. words for that. Yeah, we have words for that in Sweden too. When when, when someone is what do you say, hall, they're slippery. You can't you can't grip right. them. They they slip away. Yeah, well, that's a rabbi for you. Okay. Yeah, it's, it could be rabbis. Could also be Caucasian people that are very slippery. You can't that's get right. hold on them. They yeah, are very yeah. hall, <laughs> like Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Very very slippery, right? <laughs> Yeah, Biden pretends to be a Democrat. Trump pretends to be a Republican. Are you are you seriously telling me that if Trump gets reelected, that's going to be a better world? <laughs> no, he's a Jew. So, he's a Jew puppet, a Jew himself. Uh, so how can that be? Yeah, it can't be. All right. So, but another can't point be. I want to make here is if Ted Wyland is correct and that Eve's sin was only a mental sin, why such a harsh punishment? to uh, have her womb be uh, be cursed. Is, is that a fair punishment? I mean, <laughs> doesn't the Bible teach that the, there must be just compensation for sin? Yeah, that's what he say. And yeah. how can mental, a mental sin be so harsh punished and they be thrown out of the garden too? Right, that too. Mm, right? I mean, no. surely if the sin was only mental, Yahweh would have been more merciful to them. Oh, no, no, don't think like that. <laughs> no, he cursed Eve's womb and he threw them out of the garden. That is a, that is not fair punishment, folks. No. Right? No, it's not. Okay. No way. All right, let's continue. Back to you. Um, so, for example, when Moses, oh, so the spies here, yeah, and uh, that's a bracket, Numbers 13, verse 33. And one comment I also have when you read this one, this is after the flood, and here the Nephilim right. is still here. So they, right. that's then also another indication that the flood was only local. So the other Nephilim have actually left from the, from the basin, from the Palestinian area. No, 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 no. The, the Nephilim were very good swimmers. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> right. Okay. See, there's, there's always a metaphoric explanation. So if, mm. if, a, if a giant can swim for five months straight, then, yeah, that's believable. <laughs> All right. Back to you. But weren't there some texts that said that, that one of the Nephilim was on Noah's Ark and Noah helped one of them? I Someone have read this. Sounds very strange. But I have somewhere uh, read something about Not that. In- but that's... I. No, not in scripture. No, it's not, not in scripture. This is a Jewish. I think it's a Jewish concoction. Something. Uh, yeah, uh, probably, probably their Kabbalah or their Zohar or something like that. Right. That, that's a Jew yeah. attempting to make an explanation of how you know the how the, the the Nephilim were still around after the flood. Right. Yeah. So yeah, never believe a Jew. <laughs> no, 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 for never sure. Never believe a Jew. Okay. Um, 
All right. Uh, this is obviously hyperbole, of course. The yeah. comparison of the Israelite spies to the Nephilim were obviously not literary. Uh, like the co comparison between a man and a grasshopper. <laughs> it isn't as though the Israelite spies could crawl in one of the Nephilim's shoes. But right. theory. Yeah. <laughs> well, Houdini was able to do that, right? <laughs> okay. All right. But clearly, the Nephilim, the, uh, the sons of Anak, were very, very small. The word is hyperbolic, but hyperbole always points to a severe situation, such as when someone says, quote, This suitcase weights a ton, end of quote. They mean to communica communicate that the suitcase is very heavy. Yeah, right. it's metaphorical uh, speaking. Yeah, so you have to, but uh, every metaphor has a literal, a proper literal interpretation. Okay. And so you just can't ignore it. You know, what's the literal interpretation? Well, we, you know, we looked like grasshoppers in their sight, but they were very tall. We were very short. Yeah, that's all it's saying. You know, back to you. Yeah. Oh, by the, by the way, uh, it, it's uh, it's not intuitive, but the pronunciation is hyperbole. It's very rare in English that uh, letter E is pronounced after uh, like an O L E, but in this case, it is. It's hyperbole, exaggeration. Okay. And uh, we have we have hyperbole everywhere <laughs> in the churches today, right? But not very very little literal interpretation when they don't want to want it to be literal okay back to you perhaps the most famous giant in the entire bible is goliath a soldier from the philistine army the short-lived battle between him and the shepherd boy david is recorded in first samuel 17 verses 1 no samuel 17 first yeah. samuel 17 chapter 4 no First Samuel chapter 17, verses 4 to 7, tells us that Goliath was a whooping nine feet, nine inches tall, bracket, or six cubits on a span, and a bracket. Okay. His oh, coat of... Yeah, let me just interject here. A cubit is a measure from the, a, a man, a grown man's tip of his uh, middle finger, ring finger, whichever your longer finger is, to your elbow. Okay. And then the span is the breadth of a hand. Okay, back to you. His coat of mail alone weighed about 125 pounds. Oh, oh. that is much. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the weight of my sword. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, the weight of his, of his spearhead was 15 pounds. Yeah, that's a okay. lot. right. This was a very large man. He would uh, have made made modern ba uh, basketball player look like look up to see his face. Right. And First Chronicles uh, verses no, chapter twenty verses five tell us that Goliath had a brother named Lami. Joshua. Um, 11 verses 21 to 22 says, quote, Then Joshua came at that time and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from all the hill country of Judah, and from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. There was no Anakim left in the land of the sons of Israel, 
only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod, some remained. End okay. quote. So there's no doubt that the uh, Nephilim survived the flood. Absolutely no doubt, because they're still here. Okay, please continue. doesn't matter how they survived. The Bible says they survived. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in Canaan land, at, uh, what, three or four hundred years after the flood? Yeah, yeah a exactly. A thousand years after the flood? How okay. does the yeah, Judeo-Christian, the, uh, how can they explain that then, if this flood was for them, global? Well, guesswork, guesswork. Uh, they say, well, maybe maybe a Nephilim crept onto the, uh, onto the ark. Uh, do, do you think Noah might, might have noticed that? <laughs> okay, no. The Bible is very clear. It says, uh, I believe it's Genesis chapter 9, that only pure-blooded um, animals were allowed on the ark. So whether the seed of, uh, the, uh, it talks about the uh, animals being clean and unclean, okay? There were no hybrid animals allowed on the ark. So that's impossible. The Bible clearly refutes that. Back to you. Thank you. So, if you study the Bible closely, you'll see um, there were more giants around than just uh, Anakim. It seems as though Canaan had giants all over the place. Yep. They were called by different names depending on the location in which they dwelled. Those names were the Emim, Repayim, Sumim, Hurim, Avim, and possibly Capturim. Okay, it's quite possible that the Rephaim, the star of Remphan, is a reference to the, uh, the, the, the star of David, not David, the star of Rabbi David, right? The uh, hexagram, okay? And it's called the star of Remphan in the New Testament. I think that's just a uh, acrostic for Rephaim, the star of the Rephaim. Back to you. Yeah, that's the that was the star that her Bauer put put in front of his little pony shop, his banking when he started his banking firm. That's right, that's right, and it's a reference to Rabbi David in the Middle Ages. It's not a reference to King David of the Bible, for those of you yeah. who aren't familiar with that. Okay, back to you. In Deuteronomy two verses ten to eleven, twenty until twenty-three, read quote. The Emim formerly lived there, a people great and many, and tall as the Anakim. Mm -hmm. Like the Anakim, they are also counted as Repaim, but the Moabites call them Emim. Bracket. It is also counted as a land of Repaim. Repaim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites call them Samsumim, a people great and many, and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before the Ammonites, and they disposed of them and settled in their place, as he did for the people of Esau, who live in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, even to this day. As for the Avim, who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Capturim, who came from Captur, destroy them, and settled in their place. And no okay. quote. Now, we have uh, all over the world, the, all the legends of the giants, not just in the Americas, but also in Asia and Africa, and virtually every, and also in Australia, 
they were everywhere, and wherever they settled, they were very violent, and they were cannibals. So that the indigenous people had to defend themselves from these because what happened was these giants ate everything up, <laughs> right? And when there was no more regular food left, they started eating the inhabitants. So they were cannibals, and virtually every legend on the planet describes that. And by the way, these giants are described as having Nordic features, white skin, often blue eyes, reddish and blonde hair, which tells me that the Ben Elohim, who were used to create the white race, sons of God, were white. And that's where we get our white skin and red hair, blonde hair, blue eyes from. And this is not spoken of uh, regarding any other race. So these these giants appeared to, as white people, white giants to the races around the world. Back to you. Thank you. So okay. in the Logos.com blog post, quote, Goliath isn't the only giant in the Bible. Here's where they came from. And quote. Dr. Michael Heiser gives a short list of all the giant clans. Quote, there are several people groups described as giants or among whom giants live in the Old Testament. One, there are the Anakim, who are descendants from the Nephilim, mentioned in Genesis 6 verses 1 to 4. Bracket, compare Numbers 13 verses 33 and bracket and whom the people of Israel encountered on the Moses and later on the Joshua. Bracket, Numbers 13, verses 22 to 33. Joshua 15, verses 13 to 14, end of bracket. Two, at one time before the children of Israel traveled through the Transjordan, the land to the east of the Jordan River was heavily populated with tall people known as Emim, Bracket, Deuteronomy 2, verses 10 to 11, and bracket, and uh, some Sumim, also called the Susim, bracket, Deuteronomy 2, verses 20, and bracket. And three, the Amorites, another group that stood in the way of Israel claiming the promised land, are de des described as being exceptionally tall, bracket, Amos 2, verses 9 to 10, and bracket. Lastly, there were Rephim, which are mentioned nearly 20 times, most often in associations with the conquest of the Promised Land. When Moses encountered King Og of Bashan, who bed measures to 13 feet in length. Bracket, yeah. Deuteronomy 2, verses 11, 20 to 22, 3, verses 11 to 33, 13, Joshua 12, verses 4, and Chapter 13, verses 13, end of bracket, end quote. That's a good number, 13, 13. <laughs> Very appropriate for the devil's people, right? Okay. Yeah. So, if the clear-out, um, clear-cut biblical passage above, about the descendants of Nephilim being giants aren't enough, Ben Stanhope also argues that the very etymology of the, of the term, quote, Nephilim, and quote, supports giantism. He says, quote, the vast majority of academic dictionaries routinely explain this word as a masculine plural form of the Hebrew word, Napal. 
bracket or other words the quote, fallen ones and the bracket but the linguist michael heiser pointed out a problem for this view the word nephilim occurs three times in the bible in two of these cases a steam of nuphalem for to fall makes initiative sense but in number 13 verse 33 there is a complication with this etymology there, the word is spelled with an extra yod in its center. Uh, biblical Hebrew had no symbols for vowels, so sometimes consonants that double as vowels, like the letter Y, could be used to clarify the presence of a vowel pronunciation in a spelling. In this variant spelling in number 13, we see a scribal gloss indicating the base word of Nephilim was only pronounced with a long E. Mm. This means that the word Nephilim cannot be derived from the verb like to fall, because verbal forms is in Hebrew are never spelled this way. The masculine plural pr principle of Nathal is padded with a long um, O instead of an E. There is, however, an alternative route that does conform with the variant spelling. The Aramaic <coughs> noun nafil, the Aramaic word nafil means giant. Mm -hmm. End of quote. Okay, so we see the Aramaic continues the tradition of the giants, and of course, so does the rest of the world. Only atheists, agnostics, and Jews who don't want to be considered descendants of the Nephilim <laughs> right, want to deny these things. Back to you. Oh, of course, the fable of evolution wants to deny it, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stanhope goes on to say that this etymology is powerfully supported by the fact that Jewish texts from the in inter testamental period roughly translate this word with Greek word Gigantas and okay. Jewish text. I don't know if that's Jewish or Judaic text here. Uh, no, the uh, the uh, intertestamental writings—they're all Judaite, not Jewish. Okay, the Jews never wrote any part of the Bible, whether Old Testament, Intertestamental, or New Testament. That's good. So it's Judaic text. Yeah, it's Judaic exactly. Okay. And here they have uh, a picture showing different, uh, uh, I think, Hebrew written text, and then yeah. different. Uh, yeah, yeah, I won't go into it, maybe. Yeah. Well, here, let me let me give it a shot. Uh, the Hebrew word here, maseh, to fall, plural, part. No, no filim with an O instead of an E. Numbers 1333, morphology, nephilim, nephilim. So they include a second IY pronunciation from Ben Stanhope's video on the Nephilim. Okay, so again, you have to do the word studies. Be totally accurate. Back to you. So, how do we interpret the biblical data? I've already made my view clear right from the outset. I believe the Nephilim are hybrids of angels of gods. Bracket, lowercase g. And bracket. There you go. Amen who took on physical flesh, mated with human women, and this produced the Nephilim, who were giants. This would explain why God saw the Nephilim as an abomination, such that he would send a flood to get rid of them. 
it will explain why the Nephilim were not ordinary looking humans, and it accounts for what Second Peter 2 and Jude 6 to 7 says about the angelic sin that occurred in Noah's day. Now, before we go on to look at other inter- interpretations that biblical scholars have advocated and show why they are not tenable, let me first address some common ob- objections to my view. And okay, you want to? Yeah, yeah, let me. You're reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Objection one Angels are immaterial spirits. How can a spirit have sex? with a biological creature? Well, I mean, that's the question. That's the main question. Some object that the very nature of angels prevents this view from being true. After all, angels are spirit beings and humans are biological mammals. How can angels impregnate human women or white women? You can't have sex with spirits. The problem with this objection is that it utterly ignores the fact that angels in the Bible are repeatedly described as taking on physical form. Hmm. How about uh, how about uh, what's the the uh, the angels that uh, assisted? Uh, what's his name? Not Abraham. Abraham's uh, nephew Lot at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Did not those perverts in Sodom and Gomorrah want to have sex with these angels in human form? Yeah. They did what? instead of, and they tried to give her, give those people a woman, but they didn't want that. They wanted those angels yeah. instead. Yeah, they were faggots, right? Yeah, they wow. were faggots, man. Oh, talk about perversion. Okay, yeah. Let's continue. They were taking on physical form in his. And Paul says they take on that. Be, beware, not to uh, insult a stranger because that might be an angel in human form. You can't tell the difference. Okay. In uh, in his book, Reversing Herman, Dr. Michael S. Heiser writes, for example, Genesis 18, 19 is quite clear that Yahweh himself and two other divine beings met with Abraham in the physical flesh. They ate a meal together, Genesis 18, 1 through 8. Now, I'm not sure it was Yahweh or uh, an angel you know, representing Yahweh. Genesis 19, 10 informs us that the two angels had to physically grab Lot and pull him back into his house to avoid harm in Sodom. Something that would be hard to do if the two beatings were not truly physical. Another example is Genesis 3, or sorry, 32, verses 21 through 31, where we read that Jacob wrestled with a quote-unquote man, whom the text also describes as Elohim twice. 32 verses 30 to 31. Hosea 12, 3 through 4 refers to this incident and describes the being who wrestled with Jacob as Elohim, or as a god, and Malak as an angel. This was a physical struggle and one that left Jacob injured. Given these biblical examples of angels taking on physical form, we must conclude that it's possible that they could take on a physical form for the purpose of reproduction. Given that, and as uh, I have taught for many years, those Elohim, those Ben Elohim in Genesis chapter 1 were good angels who were the blueprint for the physical form of the Adamic race. Okay? So, and Yahweh permitted them to take physical form 
to uh, at least in blueprint terms, but we're being told here that they could actually have physical sex with physical women. Given that we have some clear biblical examples of angels taking on physical humanoid form, any objection to the angel hybrid theory based on the fact that angels are spirit beings won't hold. Well, we're spirit beings too, aren't we? <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but we have a difficulty disembodying ourselves from our, our physical being. But that'll happen soon yeah. enough, folks. That'll happen soon yeah. enough. <laughs> and I don't think it's at all implausible to suppose that any of the angels in Heiser's biblical list could have had sex that resulted in a conceived child if they so chose. And it's all a matter of what you believe. Uh, but the Bible is clear that this is what happened. The angels in Heiser's list were obedient, good, God-fearing angels, so they would not have chosen to do that. But if Abraham was able to feed angels, they it grub, it seems to me that they could have chosen to do that. Let me ask you this. If their stomachs were capable of digesting food, on what grounds would we suggest that their private parts would not work? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Let's be consistent. Right? Let's be consistent. In a private message with someone on Facebook, someone objected that although angels can take on corporeal form, we have no reason to believe fallen angels can do so. All of the angelic examples of the reversing Herman quotation worked for God and were on God's side. Perhaps this is an ability that God bestows on his heavenly host, as in Genesis chapter 1, when he needs them to carry out a certain task. As such, perhaps fallen divine beings can't take on the flesh needed to copulate with human women. Well, why the exception? Okay. If they can, uh, if they can eat, <laughs> right, and grab people, and etc., why can't they have you know working sexual parts? This objection is just an expression of personal incredulity. There is nowhere in the Bible that says that angels are incapable of becoming physical under their own power. Of course, angels have all of their abilities because of God, as we do all, for they wouldn't even exist unless God created them, John 1.3. But there's not one biblical verse that indicates that angels cannot become physical, physical anytime they please, which is a good point. If they can become physical anytime they please, there's no, yeah, and then it, it happens. People can materialize right before your very eyes and dematerialize right before your very eyes. Okay? I don't know if I've ever uh, talked to you about uh, who, uh, Resurrection Mary, who was a ghost that was uh, spotted by hundreds of people on the southwest side of Chicago walking around on the outskirts of the Resurrection uh, graveyard i've i've driven that road just mm -hmm. out of curiosity right and people have reported uh, one very famous uh, report was resurrection mary now normally she's a, a spirit being with white flowing robes walking down the street and people have stopped to say can i give you a lift <laughs> right and uh, and she doesn't respond and so they keep on driving but one time she did respond she got inside the guy's car Drove her to a, a nightclub or a bar, actually. Uh, they had drinks and ate food. And then she said, okay, it's time for me to go. So they got into his car. And as they were driving uh, back, to the, back to the graveyard, 
He looked at her square in the eye and she just disappeared. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if it can happen in the Bible, it can happen in Chicago, folks. And it turned out uh, she was a woman who was uh, run over by a car right outside uh, the graveyard. And so she haunts the place to this day. Okay. And by the way, Chicago is a very haunted city, <laughs> right? There are tours. You can take the haunted city, the haunted tour, which is doing very well. It's one of the major attractions in Chicago. So where was I? Okay, we only have about nine minutes left. Okay. So uh, let me uh, – okay. Okay, so the, this objection is just an expression of personal in, incredulity. I, I don't believe that. I don't want to believe that. Okay, if they can become physical anytime they please, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't retain this ability as well. Okay, especially should they rebel against Yahweh, unless the Bible specifically said that God stripped this ability from them. Again, exactly the same point that I made when Yahweh can make a donkey speak. It tells us, oh, well, yeah, Yahweh made this donkey speak, right? It does not say that Yahweh made a snake speak. Okay? We have to we have to look for evidence that it was a literal snake. It was not a little doesn't Yahshua call these sons of the devil serpents? Yep. Serpents. Yeah. No, Why vipers? Right? Vipers are now are are they immaterial beings or are they literal serpents in human form namely jews okay all right and they have the ability to speak oh do they have the ability to speak oh yeah yeah right okay i'll turn it over to you for the last few minutes yeah objection two uh, matthew 22 implies that angels cannot have sex Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33 says, quote, The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offsprings for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us, the first marriage, and died. And having no offspring left, his wife to his brother. So too, the second and third down to the seventh. After them all, the women died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrections of the dead, have you not read that was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He isn't... He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And the quote. And when the uh, crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Well, that was a non-answer, if I ever heard one. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> well, I don't know what this uh, author says, but I have simply speculated that what this means that it doesn't mean that you can't have sex in the kingdom. Okay. What it does mean, I think, is that uh, your spouse will be chosen for you rather than you haphazardly choosing some human spouse. Uh, 
yeah, we will pick for you your perfect spouse. Okay. That's how I interpret this, but let's see what this author says. Back to you. Yeah, yeah, because and also they yeah. the Saudi here is trying to pushing. They're making an extreme example. Yeah. yeah, right. And even even Rolling Stone said, You may not get what you want, but you'll get what you need. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get what you don't get what you want, but you get but you will get what you need. There you go. So, but that's, but sometimes what you need is not good for you. So you <laughs> don't want right. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's haphazard, isn't it? Okay. Oh yeah, it has. <laughs> and in this passage, Jesus says that at the resurrection, humans will be like the angels in heaven in what we neither marry nor be given into marriage. Angels don't marry nor are given into marriage. Sex is clearly a part of the martial life. So if angels don't martial life, so if angels don't get married, they can't have sex. Bracket at least not without sinning. No bracket. Well, that's an assumption. That's an assumption. Okay, back to you. Yeah. Yeah, because the Nephilim did sin because they did race mixing. Right. Exactly. Problem with using this passage as a proof text against the angelic human hybrid view of the Nephilim is that. Jesus didn't say the angels could not have sex. That's simply. right. He didn't say that. That's no, he, okay. Yeah. He didn't say he gave, yeah. an, as I said, a non-answer. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a, it was a non-answer. It really was. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Simply that they do not. It is not about what angels cannot do. It's about what they do not do. Okay. Angels do not procreate for a very obvious reason. They cannot die. The entire okay. purpose of <laughs> okay. well, they uh, will be destroyed at the judgment day, right? Okay. Uh, the entire purpose of the sex system is for animals to pass on their gene to further offspring, so that the population doesn't go extinct within a single generation. Resurrected humans will never die again. So, since resurrected Christians nor angels can die, there there is no need for them to have sex and make more. Of themselves, well, uh, I don't agree, because even Paul says we uh, mortality will take on immortality. Okay, and uh, unrighteousness will take on righteousness. Does that mean that we can't produce children in the kingdom? No, that's jumping to a conclusion too. Yeah, it is. Plus, we will be in the middle. We will be both both physical and spiritual at the same time. Mm-hmm. Fully, fully both. That's when we take on immortality, folks. And heaven is coming down here to earth. And we're all, as Brother Aber likes to say, the kingdom is within you means the kingdom is already here. We just need to act like it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Please continue. This is good stuff, folks. I'm really enjoying this. Angels being immortal don't need to eat in order to sustain themselves either. Right. But Genesis 18 clearly has two angels and a theopathic Yahweh eating lunch with Abraham. Right. That angels don't normally engage in certain activities in their in a corporal state, bracket, because there is no need to, and the bracket. Right. right. That cannot be used as an ar- argument against what they are capable of doing once switching to a, corpor- a corporal state. Yes. Okay. So just because, well, but but here again, 
the fact is that Paul describes it very clearly that we will take on immortality. We will have glory bodies, but who's to say that those glory bodies don't have the capability of reproduction? Okay? So the author's point is that just because angels don't normally do this, that doesn't mean they can't do it. That's jumping to conclusions. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Christianity is not taught by logical people. <laughs> it's, it's taught by, uh, what's the word, uh, adamant people, right, who adamantly believe that they're right and don't uh, do any further re research, okay? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. They follow themselves. Yeah, forgive me for being adamant at times, Michael. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I am an Adamite, right? <laughs> Adamites can be adamant. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, it's clearly saying, it's telling us that it is possible. It's not saying it's impossible. Okay. But, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they jump to, jump to conclusions. <laughs> That's yeah, right. on, on Jesus, on, on Yeshua's answer. Yes, okay. All right, folks, we're going to stop right here at Objection 3. Whoa, this is great stuff. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Michael. Everybody, stay tuned for the David Duke Show. And this is Eurofolk Radio signing off. And I'll be back at the Voice of Christian Israel later today. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Fast ammunition. Bye-bye. Beep.